action. Welcome to Torn Stubbs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of trash that can be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. Yeah, we are. Never once to keep our fingers far from the pulse, we saw Love, Simon, directed by Greg Belanti. Simon, played by Nick Robinson, is popular, attractive and close to graduating high school. He's also gay. Something he hasn't told his friends or family. When he befriends another closeted guy who only goes by the name of Blue from his school online, he attempts to uncover the guy's real identity while also faced with the problem of his secret being exposed by a classmate. Joshua. So this film is like the film that I really wish had existed when I was a teenager in the... <laughs> because it it just... it It's like the the... It's like the gay version of 10 Things I Hate About You or Clueless or Dawson's Creek or any of those things that I loved as a teenager and felt completely underrepresented by as a gay man. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely adored it. How did you feel about it? Oh, I completely fell in love with this film. Did you? Completely fell in love uh, with it. Even, even with the issues that I think it, it, it brings up, I, I completely fell in love with it. It's, it's so sweet and it's so earnest and it's so heart on the sleeve mm. that it it could be sickening yeah it could it could so easily trip into that awful kind of candy cane teenage kind of schmaltzy thing and it just it just nimbly kind of sidesteps that and and just becomes it just feels genuine yeah this is going to be the beautiful thing for mm. the next generation of gay kids or the gay the kids the gay kids and the the queer kids and all the lgbtq plus kids who are in the closet now this is going to be their beautiful thing this is going to be their uh queer as folk yeah because the i mean the really big thing about this film is that it's the first kind of big studio produced teen film that has a, a gay male lead character mm. so whereas films like beautiful thing um were kind of indie, small indie British films that you really had to look for. And I think I only actually saw that film when my pen pal sent it to me on video in like 1997 or 8 or something. You had a pen pal? I had a pen pal for about two years when I was a teenager. Who was it? There was a girl called Emma. And I think we met through like the, a sci-fi mag where at the back they used to have kind of pen pal adverts. And we just ended up writing to each other for like two years. Oh, wow. Um, I know, it was great. It was really nice actually, getting a letter. Do you ever think once... about... Looking her up now? Um, I don't... Um, no, I think that time's passed. Okay. It might be a bit weird. But she did introduce me to a ton of cool stuff. And one of those things was a beaut- was beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, was she gay? I think she may have been bi-curious. I think she had a boyfriend, but she definitely had kind of experimented. She knew about um, you? Uh, no, no. Why did she send you a beautiful thing? I don't know. I think she just really liked it. Okay. Yeah. And, and she sent you a VHS copy. Yeah, we used that's to, not cheap. I know we used to send each other like big Christmas gifts and like she once sent me a um, X Files companion book, which was like those hefty thirty five pound yeah, books, yeah, yeah. which like put a lot of pressure on me because <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, what am I going to get you for Christmas?" Is that when you stopped writing to her? <laughs> and I was like, "I'm really sorry, but I've moved on." <laughs> 
but yeah so beautiful thing i only discovered through my pen pal and whereas this love simon is uh, had a huge marketing campaign it was all over the internet it was, it was on over... this morning my mum heard about Whoa. it and so what did your mum kind of say oh it's a gay film I, I happened to say I was going to the cinema and she was like, oh, are we going to go see? I was like, oh, Love, Simon. She goes, oh, I heard about that on this morning. So if mm. my mum, who is not online, who has no connection to the internet, she only ever hears things through what ITV daytime television tells her or if she hears from her friends. If it's getting through to her, then the marketing machine's done something right. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you couldn't move for this, for posters of this film. They were everywhere. For about a week. But that's yeah. all you can ask for a, a non-superhero film these days. Yeah, true. But it, it had a, it enjoyed a real um, kind of injection of celebrity support as well. So people like Neil Patrick Harris, gay, uh, Matt Bomer, also gay, American stars. Yeah. They were buying out cinemas in America so that um, young audiences could access the film even if they couldn't afford to go to the movies. Oh, wow. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, it kind of... It kind of um, Yay for the PR machine. I know. Well, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> but it kind of mirrored in, in a very interesting way the release of Black Panther, where Black Panther became more than just a film. It became a phenomenon. It became representative of um, kind of uh, uh, showing or listening to underrepresented voices and showing them in cinema in a way that hadn't been done before. On you know on in terms of the scale of the production and the, the scale of the marketing campaigns and so people like Octavia Spencer she was buying out cinemas as well so that young deprived audiences could watch Black Panther. It's a really positive thing. Yeah, massively and within positive. the studio system. Yeah, I know exactly. So it's kind of like I don't really know. I don't really know where that comes from. Like, are the studios actively trying to? Um, expand their horizons and, and portray um, kind of more min- uh, minority voices or minority experiences or are they just following the trends of the day you know because teenagers nowadays they don't necessarily define their sexuality as one thing or another um, you know young black individuals aren't um, you know they, they they are successful as successful as anybody else as they well should be yeah and so therefore why should they still be in cinemas as slaves and kind of um downtrodden people they should be able to be superheroes and um you know i think that it's a really positive move i don't know why it's happening but it's fantastic yeah (laughs) and and for the first time i felt like i'd watched with love simon i felt like i'd watched a film that understood the emotional my emotional experience as a teenager so even though it wasn't closeted right so even though it wasn't my story i never went you know i wasn't a high schooler in america i didn't have a secret friend on the internet although actually rob no you were my secret friend on the internet yeah but that wasn't until that was like university. university yeah yeah but um i could understand more why straight audiences love romantic comedies because they must get that feeling that i got when at the end of love simon Simon embraced his sexuality and had a boyfriend and was accepted by his friends and family. And it's an, it's an amazing feeling. And then to see it on the big screen has such a power to it. It really does. The phrase that's stuck in my mind is when Jennifer Garner says to Simon that you can exhale now. And I thought mm. that's such a gorgeous way of putting what it feels like to be closeted. Yeah. Always 
always be intense, always at, at times literally having to catch your breath because you think it's just going to bubble out and I'm just yeah. going to explode and say it. And you want to you want to keep that, you know, pushed down inside of you. Mm-hmm. Such a gorgeous way of putting it. She's moved into a period of her career where she's no longer the star of whatever she's in. She's very happily playing the supporting roles, the mum roles, and she's yeah. doing really well. Yeah, she's really likable in this. She kind of she had her her period of playing kind of twenty somethings, unlucky in love. Um, but yeah, now she has kind of gently transitioned into being this like cool super mom. Yeah, and yeah, she's just this kind of like warm, this warm energy in this film. And that scene actually, she requested be written for the film. Oh, really? Um, is that, that scene, the book? No, that scene didn't exist in the script. I don't know, I don't know if something similar is in the book. Um, but when she was cast, she asked um, Greg Belanti if she could have a scene where she, her and Simon connect. And that was, and I'm glad she did. Like That could have been a diva move, but actually it was important to the story. And great that she requested it. Yeah, because he, he has a connection moment with his father where the father's yeah. like, how long have you known since I was 13, 14? And he's like, that's four years I should have seen. Mm. I love that moment with him and his dad, uh, Josh Duhamel, because it's for the for the whole film. His dad has felt that he is being supportive of his son. He's being a good dad, yeah. By kind of you know doing the rough housing kind of, hey, you're going to get your girlfriend soon, kind of thing. Yeah, and like that's his way of being supportive, and he's unwittingly actually shoving Simon further into the closet because Simon feels like he's disappointing his father. Yeah. And so when his dad says, I have fucked up big time, (laughs) it's so refreshing. You expect it to be kind of like, I can't believe you're gay. This is awful. And actually it's a completely modern conversation that happens where his dad accepts the blame for expecting something of his son that um, isn't necessarily the right thing to expect anymore. In, in that respect, it's a film that completely subverts Hollywood's idea of a coming out story. And yeah. it's in those moments, that's when it stays away from cliche. Mm. There are other moments where I feel the studio were playing it safe. Mm. Um, so for instance, I never fully bought how miserable Simon was mm. because he's white. He's affluent. He comes from a very liberal family and he doesn't seem to have any issues. Mm. So the peril isn't as dangerous, isn't as um, dramatic as, say, the kid in Moonlight being yeah. outed. Yeah. It's, it's, ve- it's, it's a very privileged film. It is, oh, God, yeah. It's kind of like the Nancy Myers version of a kind of gay teen drama, That's isn't it? That's a very good way of putting it, yes. Yeah, it, it feels safe because you know that he's going to be okay but i don't know it, it's kind of like the fact that he is so normal makes it interesting does he, it i think so because he's so relatable and he's he's just kind of it'd be so easy for him to be bland he could easily become this really bland nothing hero but because he's kind of well-adjusted and likable and, and, you know, inverted commas, normal. He, it just makes him more interesting and, and more... Um, you, want, you want him to come out of it okay. He doesn't need to have this, guy, this enormous dramatic kind of um, 
trauma or anything. And actually, it's, not it's this... more—it's about him discovering his own problems and his own issues. So, like when when he gets threatened with being outed by this classmate, he's like really suddenly really angry about it, and it's like, "This is my decision. Why are you taking this away from me?" And but it's not so much that he should be. I just feel, I just feel that when you are closeted, there is so much anxiety, there is so much depression, there is so mm. much repression. You you sort of start devolving into yourself. You just become so closed off. I didn't feel that with Simon. But I didn't. I didn't feel that. Like if 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 I started watching that film and the character didn't turn out to be gay, if that wasn't the plot point, mm. you could take out that performance, that characterization, and put it in another film and have the performance play the same. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't feel jarring because I didn't feel that that performance was someone who was really struggling with a secret. Mm. And I wonder if that's because maybe we haven't, maybe we didn't see the the stage of his confusion where he didn't know what was going on. He seems to have accepted it and, and had found peace with it. And now we are, Maybe that's it. Maybe because we're cutting in at the point where he's wanting to come out. He's on the brink, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. But also, it manifests itself in his manipulation. He becomes a really manipulative individual. So he's he's trying to kind of become this grand chess master where he's manoeuvring people around his secret in his life. And he's kind of getting them to orbit this secret. And it's not healthy. And it does end up actually alienating everybody from him for a while so even though he doesn't even though he's not necessarily self-destructive or or outwardly depressed he is becoming an unlikably manipulative person and that was like a really brave move actually for the film because you don't want your hero to go around manipulating everybody and kind of trying to get his way and in and people are kind of getting sucked into his you know but he slipstream or whatever it was called but he has our sympathies because we understand why he's doing it and when i say we i mean people like you and me yeah it's a big thing to keep that secret a secret Mm. and i think i remember when you came out i said to you just be weary i can't remember how i said it i just said just be weary or just be warned that once you come out it it almost becomes someone else's information you can't stop that information from spreading Mm. so you know i understand and i i kind of i my sympathies are with the character because i know he doesn't want that information coming out when things are inside your head and it could be any Mm. secret but in this case it's about being gay and it's specifically gay Mm -hmm. not queer not lesbian not bi not trans not anything other than gay and i think that's another issue with the film you don't want that secret coming out and inside your head it seems so much bigger than it actually is because you start building up the anxiety and you start building up the what you perceive is going to be the fallout Mm -hmm. oh yeah like anxiety creates an entire narrative in your head Mm. yeah that's true and you start to believe that the world is going to end and and you know everyone's going to hate you and all this stuff so that, I guess that is that is kind of feeding into his actions, I think, even though it's not explicitly stated. 
That being said, I think Nick Robinson did a a wonderful job. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. He was just like this really unshowy, likable young guy. He looks good in a, a denim jacket. <laughs> and a hoodie. A hoodie. <laughs> yeah. what, one thing that I, I think was such a such a subtle, quiet decision they made. They didn't say to him, look, we've got this scene where you come out of the shower. We're shooting in six months. Start going to the gym. Mm-hmm. That kid does not have a gym body. Yeah, he's yeah. not, you know, he's not overweight. He's not slim. He's just got a regular mm. 17-year-old body or whatever, mm. however old he is. And it wasn't a gratuitous, like, Zac Efron in, in the rain. Again. In 17 yeah. again yeah. or in the paper boy in his pants dancing in the rain. Yeah. It was literally, this kid wants to know if there's an email. He's in a towel. And he hasn't got a gym toned body. And I thought that was such a wonderful thing because when I was growing up, all I wanted to be was uh, Nathan from Queer as Folk. Oh, yeah. Because he was hot, he had the body, he was tanned, he was blonde, he had blue eyes. Mm -hmm. It becomes the perfect body, it's the ideal. And I like that that's changing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that as well, actually. I did notice that when I was like, oh, he isn't chiseled like Zac Efron he yeah. just has a regular body yeah. I think maybe 10 years ago it would have been a different story oh I think so yeah he would have had to be conventionally kind of ripped and hot yeah um, to make him in some way worthy of being on in a Hollywood film do you think he was actually in love with Blue that reminds me of a quote from uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch I've never seen Sabrina oh well there's this, there's, a, there's, a, there's an episode where um Sabrina is like in she thinks that she loves Harvey but she's not sure and who's then Har- Har- who's Harvey? Harvey's her boyfriend. Right. And in order to prove that he um loves Sabrina, he has to go through some trials and stuff. And um obviously he wins and blah 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 and Sabrina's two aunts they talk to each other and one of them says, "Weren't you worried that he didn't actually love her?" And the other aunt says, at 16, it's always love. <laughs> and I think that's what is in Love, Simon. I think so, yeah. Because it is just, it's like it's, your hormones are buzzing around. You are experiencing emotions you've never had before. And I think that he does love him. I loved Blue. I thought it was fucking awesome. I thought it was a really nice guy. <laughs> did, he, but did he love Blue? Or did he love the idea of what Blue could potentially give him? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's probably lots of stuff going on there. I don't think that they would have ended up together for the rest of their lives, even though we'd love to think that. Mm. But I definitely think that there's something special about that first person. And it, I guess it helped that he fell in love with Blue as this faceless person on the internet. And he already kind of thought about the guy who turned out to be Blue anyway. And he it helped that he was attractive anyway. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I think that he loved him. I'm not so sure. Oh, really? Because I think when you're, when you're completely closeted and you're completely repressed, you start projecting ideas of what it is you want to achieve. And mm. if someone's, if you found a lifeline online, you'll start building in your head, A, what that person might look like and B, what they can give you. So first of all, he imagines him as a white guy. Yeah. Then he imagines him as the guy he turns out to be, but then there's a spanner in the works and he thinks it's not him. So he goes back mm. to a white guy. Mm. Then it's the guy from the Waffle House. Yeah. It's like this. If you've been on a fast and you've 
stopped yourself from eating for so many years, if you manage to cheat death, but you will start falling in love with any food that comes into contact with you. Mm. So does he, has he fallen in love with the idea idea of what he's been missing and what he's always wanted or is he actually falling in love with this secret person who's called blue who's jewish and coming out to his dad when they're divorced and this that and the other i don't think it matters if he loves him does it i I think it's called love simon but i don't think that's i don't think that it really matters i think it, it if he believes he loves him that's what matters I don't think it really matters if he actually genuinely does. Like, how do you know if you do or don't? Like, if you if he believes he loves him, he loves him. <laughs> I don't think it's quite as... It's not as complicated as all that. Did you know that just as the film went into production, Nick Robinson's younger brother came out as gay? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. I know. And Nick Robinson's probably not that old. He was in Jurassic World, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just when I found that out, I was like, oh, that's really nice. That's of, really sweet. Like Kevin Smith, it kind of ties him into the film in a more personal way, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a really interesting performance because he's not... It's very balanced. You have a au fait, cliché, campy gay character. Yeah. But then Simon is, for all intents and purposes, charismatic enough to stop the character from being bland. Yeah. He's just so lost in the crowd. There's nothing super special about Simon. Yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of he's just a regular guy. I loved the I loved the guy who played the super camp one. I thought he was brilliant. He was like I I enjoyed the fact that hi, not only are we getting uh, one like a gay lead, we've yeah. also got another kind of gay character in the film. And I just loved the fact that I can't find what his name is. He was just fantastic. He was kind of, he's really quite feminine. Oh, Clark Moore, I think. He played Ethan. And he was quite effeminate. And um, I think he was in Glee and stuff before. But I loved the fact that he fought back against the bullies just by being smarter and funnier. Yeah. Like when he's talking about micro penises and stuff, he's just like, <laughs> the, the, the jocks are kind of like, hey, poofter. And he's just coming back at them with like the smartest most savage takedowns without lifting a finger and they're just baffling them. It's strange that he mentions a micro penis because for all intents and purposes, this film is so sexless. No, you're right. Yeah, that there's is true. no sex in the film. He doesn't, Simon doesn't, but there's no sex in a lot of kind of 90s kind of teen films. I would disagree on that. I mean, American Pie is kind of a, a... but not necessarily like having sex, but the oh, idea yeah. that when you're 17, all you want to do is put your willy in stuff. <laughs> But yeah. Simon doesn't seem to have a a sexual drive. None of them do. It's all about love. When you're 17, mm. you are masturbating a lot and you're talking about sex. You want to have sex. Yeah. A lot of coming out is wanting to have sex because that's, that is one of the things that defines us as, as humans. Our need to have sex with people and who mm. we have sex with is the thing that kind of defines our sexuality. Mm. He obviously finds the male form hot. It's not he necessarily never really says it, does he? He never yeah. really kind of goes, "Oh, because I love Shane Tatum." Or... He couldn't even like. He couldn't even say that he thought the the football player was hot. Yeah, she was like fine. Yeah, it became more of a joke about the the kind of. The, the way that they express it, not what they are expressing. Yeah. So I wonder... Is... That was one step too far, I think, though. 
what the fine scene no 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 the, 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 I feel that they were the, in terms of the studio and this being a mainstream film it, it was willing to go so far forward in terms of discussions of gay identity that adding in a sexual element to it would I think have been too much for the studio yeah I think so I think so too I think they were playing it very yeah. very safe it's baby steps yeah it really is I mean it's even it's sad to say that in 2018 it's brave of a studio and it's ridiculous that we have to say this it's brave of a studio to have an interracial kiss between two men Mm. two men who are actually under 18 in america yeah on the ferris wheel yeah yeah yeah. no i love that scene i was just i was just reminiscing (laughs) (laughs) all right do you need the moment (laughs) no because it was so lovely i was like I was I was ready to get really angry if they didn't kiss because that yeah. would have been I would have undermined the entire film, and they kiss again and it's yeah. it's a really it's a nothing kiss it's yeah. like a little oh, hello pet in the car yeah when they pick when he's picking them up it's just like a hello boyfriend kiss yeah. it's just nothing and it's great it's so commonplace it's nothing but the, everything yes exactly because even when they when he got in the car I was like if he doesn't kiss I'm going to get really angry and they did and I was like <laughs> okay it's fine then. <laughs> that being said. Where are the happy-go-lucky lesbian films? Where are the happy-go-lucky gay sexuality films? Where are the happy-go-lucky trans films? This is the problem I've had with films in general for a long time, is that you've either got the tortured coming-out story, or you've got the I've-got-a-druggy-boyfriend-who's-going-to-die story, um, or you've got things like GBF, which is just this... Like, oh, it's just sickeningly pantomime. Yeah. It kind of wants to be like a Sex in the City kind of version of a teen film. And it's just excruciating. That makes me really angry. Um, and it, it's like, where are the middle ground films? And actually, no, that's not true. Because last year we had God's Own Country. We had Call Me By Your Name um, and Beach Rats, which has a, a tent coming out kind of element to it. These are all just gay films. Beach Rats could not make its mind up what it wanted to be. It, it, yeah. It, it was a character not... piece. Yeah, but in terms of the character, he couldn't work. He, no. the, the filmmakers weren't making... They were very much on the fence, and I yeah. really wanted them to say, is this character gay? Is this character straight? Because otherwise you're not making a point. Mm. But I guess we can do we can do Beach Rats on another, on another yeah, episode. Yeah. Call Me By Your Name was the... It's like the, the complete flip of this. It wasn't safe, even though it's two mm. white guys. It's a much older white guy mm-hmm. with a almost underage white guy, and it's very sexual. Yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily it's all about the hormones. It's all about the hormones, and it's not even about being gay. It's just about two men about desire. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's if anything, it's it could be classed as pansexual, mm. which is a great and positive thing. Mm. And even the dad could potentially be pansexual. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right that I think the I think gay storylines entering the mainstream is kind of the first step towards positive lesbian films, positive hmm. trans films. Um like last year we had was it this year we had a fantastic woman which was Oscar nominated and it was about a trans woman whose uh, partner died and kind of the prejudice that she faces from everybody around her and that is an it's an indie film it's not a mainstream film i'm talking about in the in the studio system yeah i mean that's because could you imagine if moonlight was made in the studio system Mm. 
it would be heavily sanitized. Actually, you know, I don't even think Moonlight would get made because that is so much about the black experience connected Mm. to sexuality. Oh, yeah. And it's a miserable film. It's miserable. It even ends on a very ambiguous note where you Mm. think they're either going to start growing together, not necessarily in that flat, (laughs) but they're going to start growing a life together. Yeah. Or they're going to part and never see each other and get some sort of closure to that wank on the beach. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Are we like, what are we like a generation away maybe from getting mainstream films that are, that do genuinely reflect like the, the spectrum of experience or it should the studios, should we put, be putting it on the studios or should we be a hundred percent? But what about independent films? They're, they're the ones too. who are representing us and they have done for decades. But the studios should be doing that too. Hmm. If the studio were putting something out there, there is the and they have who a... Cares. Sorry? There is, there is the argument of who cares or what the studios are doing. Why, but they have, they, have, they... they have such a big reach, right? Yeah. So it took them 10 years to make a, a black-led uh, superhero movie, mm-hmm. even though Blade had been done in the, in the past, Spawn and Steel, but in terms of this current... Um, boom with Marvel took them 10 years Marvel still haven't done a female led yeah DC DC the only thing good thing DC have done in the past four years is they beat Marvel to that Mm -hmm. so there is progression in that sense but in terms of sexuality they just seem to be scared to let lesbians be anything other than angry dykes or miserable dykes i guess yeah or like funny sidekicks or or funny sidekicks but of the jokes yeah even ellen the world's most arguably the world's most famous lesbian Mm -hmm. is so neutered she's so bland and beige look Mm -hmm. at that set that she sits yeah look at the shitty gap clothes that she wears yeah she is a 90s cliche yeah it was so sad what happened to her series as well her sitcom back in the 90s yeah that she had cancelled was it four seasons five seasons where she was just riding know, high just the, it was like as a, as a closet as a closeted well, yes. the character was straight supposedly and then when the character came out they had one season where she was a lesbian yes and it was a really funny season it was really well written and great and liberating and, and hilarious and refreshing and then it was cancelled yes and it was like great okay but time to moved on so it's time to make a positive lesbian story Mm. and it's time to make a positive trans story and time to make a positive black lgbtq plus story it doesn't Mm. always have to be drugs and gangsters and drive-by shootings it can be really empowering Mm. because if i was a little black kid watching love simon i would probably not identify with it as much as my white neighbor there are black people in this film Mm. They're all mixed race. Yeah, so yeah. they are all slightly one step away from their roots. Mm-hmm. And they are more fully rounded as black side characters than we've seen in the past. They're not Wanda Sykes quipping. Yeah. They are reasonably, you know, detailed characters with depth. But they're not the lead. Well, Simon, yeah, Simon's a lead white character, but basically... The supporting cast, it's a pretty even split, actually, between black and white, I think. Yeah, there's three 
black supporting cast members. There's Abby. Yeah. There's the guy that she's interested in. And then there's the... There's Blue. Yeah. Who's black. Yeah. And then there's the parents, obviously, who are white. And then there's the, the black gay guy played by Clark Moore. Yes. And it's, it's very diverse. And you've got the hilarious um, black theatre teacher... Yeah, I mean, great. she wore a bit thin towards the end. Yeah. There's a one one trick pony, but... She was very funny. And Tony then, Hale was great as the... Tony Hale, who was in... Uh, oh, was he Yo- Buster in... In Yoga in, Hoses? Yes. Oh, he was in Yoga Hoses yeah. as well. But he was in... Um, he was Buster in Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was brilliant. But none of those black characters are the lead. No. They're all side characters. Um mm. You know the book's based on... Sorry, you know the film is based on the book um, by Becky Albertalli? Yes. Yeah. So in the film, there's there's kind of a few hints that his, friend's Leah, his friend Leah has potentially has feelings for Abby, who's the other friend. There's like a few little moments where there's like... Oh, in the book? No, in the, that... in the film, there are like little hints that there's something going on there. Is there? Yeah, No, because yeah. his friend fancies him, not Abby. Yeah, I know. But there's like a few looks, apparently. Is there? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that yeah. at all. Did you? I didn't when I watched it, but apparently there are. Oh. And that is actually partly um, like a seed for the next book in that series by the by Becky called Leah on the Offbeat, which is kind of, I think that's got more lesbian stuff in it. So I hope they do that because I was yeah. thinking, I don't need a sequel to this story. It's done. Yeah. I don't need a... A story with hate Simon. Simon. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but I, don't, story. I don't need a story with Blue and Simon being because no. it'll just be they'll break up immediately and yeah. it'll have to be a will they won't they get back yeah. together and it will be a, they will get back together, blah blah blah. But maybe that's the next step mm. a cool lesbian enlightenment story featuring mm. Abby and whatever yeah. her name is, Leah. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Oh, I would, I would, I would, fuck it, I'd watch the fuck out of that. So that was Love, Simon, directed by Greg Berlanti. Did you like the film? We loved it. Did you love it? If you did, get on Twitter and give us a tweet at TornStubPod. And if you like what we do, head over to iTunes and give us a review and a five-star rating. And if you like film, culture, theatre and music, head to movetotrash.co.uk. And if you like books, give them a book a look. It just came out. It's called Vicious Rumour. You might like it. You might not. We'll see. We're going to go sit on the Ferris wheel. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut.